I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Two o'clock hour. Welcome back in, everybody. Rob Ellis Show on this Sunday. Gorgeous Sunday. Talked a lot of Eagles sort of looking ahead to the second half, but we did uh, discuss a lot of Sixers. And what could only be deemed as an aggressive offseason, which I didn't see coming, I got to tell you that, but I am very pleasantly surprised and impressed and got to give props up. And we are right around the corner, right on the cusp of the draft, of free agency, of, of teams reporting to camp, and then the season starting in, what, about a month and a half. It's amazing how quickly everything's unfolding. Thought, who better to talk to on this Sunday about the Sixers and the NBA than the man who covers them for the Philadelphia Inquirer, the one and only Keith Pompey. Keith, man, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your show, Rob. A pleasure, Keith. It's always great talking to you, man. Um, I, let me ask you, because I, I just mentioned, I, I honestly didn't see uh, Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey and, you know, phenomenal stable of assistants brought in both, uh, you know, assistant coaches and guys to help out in the front office. Did you sense when the season ended, Keith, or maybe when the bubble ended, that, that there was going to be this type of aggression from the Sixers? You know, I, I, I didn't believe that. Um, I, let me slow down a little bit. I did believe that they were going to make some changes in the front office. You know, it was one of those things in the bubble um, towards the end once they lost. You know, people were saying that Alex Rucker was – they didn't expect him to be back, people around the league. And then later on, you know, you were hearing some, like, rumblings that the Sixers were looking for a president. Now, the Sixers kept saying, no, we're not looking for a president. Um, we're looking for someone underneath Elton. But word around the league were that they had candidates and they were reaching out to certain people. So, you know, I, I, when you look at it, I think, you know, the Sixers didn't want a lot of people knowing what they were doing. <laughs> and it all came out at the end. But um, I didn't expect like a complete faceless like everything that they did i just thought they were going to tinker with a little thing you know a couple of things the thing that too you you got to really be impressed with keith is like they closed like in other words the, the second doc comes free he comes here he doesn't get a chance to go anywhere else uh you know daryl morey the second that that you know they kind of got divorced in houston the Sixers closed it down, and they weren't afraid to spend either. You're talking about, you know, a guy who's right there in any conversation in terms of coaching salary and and president, whatever title we're giving him, yeah. president salary. I mean, you know, they they ponied up coming off a pandemic season where they lost a lot of money, and they may still lose a lot of money. I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, here's the thing. I guess you know, 
you, you have to respect what Josh Harris is doing right now because when you look at it, you know, you say, okay, this window, some people think our window has closed, right? Um, and what we need to do is we're going to have to pay whatever we can to go out there and get an elite coach. And Doc Rivers is a future Hall of Famer, right, in regards to a coach. And then you look at Daryl Morey. He's one of the most recognized, recognizable front office executives. So they paid a lot of money for him to come. So to me, it looks like it's an investment with the, um, with, with the, uh, with the owner, you know, ownership. I mean, because let's face it, you know, right now, in order for you to make changes, you have to go out there and get the people who you think can do it, and they come with a price because, like you said, they didn't want them to say, okay, interviewing with the Sixers was great, but let me go to another team and see what they have to offer as well. So they made it to one of these things that they couldn't turn down. And, I mean, granted, they still have a lot of work to do, but at the same time, you see the commitment from um, Josh Harris and the other owners. So, Keith, let me ask you, obviously this thing is really truncated, which, you know, complicates things. I mean, we're going to blink our eye and it's going to be the draft and, you know, free agency mm-hmm. windows open and, and you guys are reporting. and It's crazy. So all this stuff is really, really close, which – I guess complicates things and makes things a little bit more difficult if you're trying to trying to remake yourself to an extent. Uh, what's your sense on the patience meter? You know, we heard what Daryl Morey had to say, what Doc said that, hey, look, I specifically when it comes to Joel and Ben, I want to see these guys, you know, together in the lab and you know all that kind of stuff. But we also know that even if you take those two out of it for a second, the makeup's not great here. The, the, you know, they they need structural changes here. They need shooting. They have two you know, really brutal contracts. Like, how much movement should Sixers fans expect, in your opinion, in this first offseason with all these new parts in the, in the front in the, the thing with the first offseason, um, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to say they're, they're, the team can't be pacing at all, right? But at the same time, when we talk about it, this offseason is really, what, seven weeks? And, you know, a lot of times you can't get things to happen that quickly. Right, just because now, now again, if if Daryl Morey was was here for a year, and if Doc Rivers was here for a year, you know, I would say okay, something something can happen. But I think right now that there's a lot of people knowing the pieces that the Sixers want to get rid of. Right, they they know that, and when they know you want to get rid of something, they try to like lower the price, so to speak. I think, and when you're realistic, you have to go in there at least through the early part of the season, and see if you can make it work. You have to see is what, what, what um, excuse me, what uh, Brett Brown did, to see if, like, okay, this is how Brett Brown tried to utilize certain players. Let's see if I can utilize them a different way and see if it works. You, ha- you owe yourself that. But at the same time, there's going to come a point in the season where you have to say, okay, this isn't working. I got to upgrade this roster. I have to make moves because the one thing that we say that, that you said early on is that they ponied up. So when you pony up, you paid a lot of money. So when you're paying a lot of money, not just to, Hey, let me get to the second round again. Let me get to the Eastern conference finals. You paid these guys a lot of money because you want to win a championship. So I think that this season, there are going to be some moves. Is it going to happen before the season starts? It may be kind of hard to do that. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but when you factor in that Daryl Morey was hired what two weeks ago, 
um, it's, it's just kind of hard, I think, for you to hurry up and just, you know, get what you want because everyone knows that you're trying to get rid of people. Let me ask you, Keith, and I, I'll get to Embiid and Simmons in a second, but I'm just trying to mm-hmm. think of this in terms of sort of remaking this on the fly. In terms of the market, because of the mm-hmm. pandemic, is it possible you could maybe get a better quality player at a cheaper rate for maybe less years than you normally would, which could maybe make it a little bit easier for a team that isn't in great cap shape like the Sixers to get a couple of shooters in here if you if you do the right thing without it being – you know, maybe it's challenging in years past, or will it will it be just as hard cap wise? Um, you 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 could. The only problem with the Sixers, you're talking about like, are you talking about like, like trading? Okay, I'm not. I'm just saying, you're talking about trading like Al Horford, right? Getting rid of his. Well, contract I mean, I would ide- ideally, if you could, even if, but if you couldn't, oh. could you get somebody in a short term just to, who could give you some shooting help if you couldn't move one of those two? You, you, you could, you could, but you know, the thing is, yeah, yeah, you could, you you can go out there and you can get a guy like a role player who you know who's who's not going to like like for instance, yeah, there are some dudes who thought they were going to get paid this summer. Right, they actually thought they were going to get paid this summer. And yes, they may be able in the market for that guy just because of, you know, the um they're gonna get a minimum or they can get a mid level exception. Yes. But what's gonna happen is there'll probably be a team that knows the seventy sixers situation and they may offer that guy another year. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So then the guy may say, Well, do I really wanna to come to the Sixers on a minimum, right? For a year or two? when this other team is going to offer me like more years and maybe a little bit more money, you know what I mean? I think that the Sixers situation, I mean, you know, that's a great way to think about it, but I think of all the teams, they're probably like in the toughest situation, you know, in regards to, you know, Lauren players, just because there are other teams that have more money available. So Keith, is there a, I mean, you brought up Al, but I'll throw Tobias in there. Is there a market for either one? I mean, is, we hear the term a lot of times, immovable deals, you know, forget it, they're, they're albatross kind of contracts. Do you buy that? Do you think they're both impossible to move? Um, I, you know, I, I, no, I, I don't think they're impossible. I know a lot of people say that. You know, I, I think that if I'm the Sixers, I'm hoping that Buddy Hill continues to say how much he wants out. Like, if <laughs> right. I'm Buddy, like, the first day of training, if I'm, if, if I'm the Sixers, I'm Buddy, Buddy Hill, like when media day comes, like you use your whole time saying how you went out of Sacramento, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you talk about you don't want to show up the first day of training camp for practice because what that's going to do is it's going to lower his value, and then they're going to look around and say, hey, you know what? We're going to have to hurry up and do something. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't want that. And now, again, it's going to lower his trade value. They're not going to get mo- uh, a lot of stuff out of there. But then there's also there's teams like, you know, the New York Knicks, you know, their teams are saying, hey, you know what, we're prepared to eat somebody with um, eat someone's salary, you know, just, you know, so we can they want to continue to rebuild. They want to get to the cap floor. So that could be um, a, a, a team for them. Now, again, it's not ideal when you talk about Al Horford just because of the, his age and the number of years he has left on his contract. But. You know, sometimes we hear guys getting traded all the time for a certain reason. Think about this. Remember a couple years ago, the Sixers traded for JaVale McGee, and he was on their books for like 
two years when when he was playing with other teams. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So although it's not ideal, I'm never going to say never. I hear you. I hear you. We're speaking with Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So, Keith, let me ask you then. Let's – Let's get to the big bo- the big boys here with, with Joel Embiid and and Ben Simmons. Now, you, you try not to read too much into it, and of course that's what we do. We're trying, we're hanging yeah, on every yeah. word, and parsing everything. But it sounded like, at least as far as Daryl Morey went, that that he was really excited to work with Embiid. He reminded everybody, you know, that he had worked with Yao Ming before, and you know, didn't work out because mm-hmm. Yao got hurt, et cetera. He didn't. He wasn't as I guess effusive in his praise, or maybe didn't bring him up as much in terms of Ben, which led to some folks maybe saying. Hey, look! It seems like he likes Joel better than Ben. Like, what's your sense of where they are organizationally with, with both of these two guys? You know, that's a good question to have because I, you know, initially I thought the same thing, but then the more I thought about it, um, you know, I, I do think that Ben. Excuse me, I think that Joel's untouchable, right? I I do think that, right? But the more I thought about it, I was like, it was one of those things where. You know, everyone kept saying how Daryl Morey doesn't like a center, right? Mm-hmm. How he, he basically wants to go small ball, five out. I looked at it as if he was going out of his way to let everyone know that he, he likes Joel indeed, and he looks forward to working with him, right? So that's how I took it. Now, again, you know, we can't, like, fool ourselves to think that if, if they can get a great offer, for just about anyone on this roster, they're, they're going to entertain it. You know, now I know there's a lot of people who are saying they want James Harden. Well, if you trade for James Harden, if you trade for James Harden, not saying the Sixers are, you know, you're going to have to give up a guy like a Ben Simmons type to get a James Harden or Joel Embiid type. So that's where I think a lot of people are saying, okay, you know, he's going to have to trade him. You know, he's going to get rid of him or this and that. He loves Joel more. But all I'm just saying is I took it as if, and I could be wrong, but I took it as if, like, look, y'all, we're going to squash this right now. I know everybody's talking about how I like shooting threes and and how I minimize the center, center position. But when I had Yao Ming, that was, like, the go-to guy. And now I have Joel Embiid, and he's going to be the go-to guy. So that's how I read into it after a while. Yeah, I, I get a sense like he was sort of trying to say like, "Hey, look, whatever my personnel is, uh, you know, I'm adaptable mm-hmm. here." It, it's not. I, I always bring up Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly was basically yeah. like, you, "You're, you're going to run my system." I, I don't. I get a sense that that's not at all. You know, Maury. Maury's saying, "Look, I, that's what I kind of had to do in Houston. We realized we weren't going anywhere with Capella and the big, so you know, we shook it up a little bit. We took a shot at it, and you know, whatever." And, and I, I, I sense that. Like you, he's excited to work with Embiid. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, I mean, it is. I mean, here's the thing about Embiid. Like, you know, when you talk to when, when you talk to people around the league, you know, they, they say Embiid's biggest problem is Embiid, right? Right. You know, they say if Embiid comes in motivated, if Embiid does what he wants, if he comes in motivated and hungry, and if he stays healthy, there's like no one can stop him. I remember even before Embiid even played a game, we were in like Charlotte and uh, Patrick Ewing was an assistant coach there at one time. And Patrick Ewing just saw him warm up and he just started raving over him. And we're like, huh? Like, dude, you didn't even play a game yet. What you talking about? But that's just how it is. So when you hear a Daryl Morey come and he starts raving over Embiid, that just tells you what people think. Again, Embiid just has to be in shape and has to be motivated. 
and everyone swears that he he's like one of the most dominant bigs ever if he does that. Uh, Keith, let me ask you: they they brought in a couple of assistants, and look, we know Doc's track record too. But they brought in mm-hmm. a guy like Sam Cassell and and, and Dave Yeager uh, among other, and they added Popeye Jones just recently, you know, among others. But you, you know, some no nonsense guys, some guys who aren't afraid to hold you accountable. Whereas maybe previously there was. You know, not as much, uh, if you yeah. will. Uh, do, do you sense that, too, that that's part of the reason why they brought in some of these guys with their makeup where, hey, look, Joel, you need to be in better shape. Or, Ben, listen, man, you know, you may not love it, but we need you to take a couple 12-footers here. Do you, do you sense that's going to be the case with this group? Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I think that I mean, I think when you look at all these guys, see, typically in the NBA, right, like in the NBA you get paid a lot of money they expect you to be a self-starter. That's the expectation. Now, you may get somebody that's going to rise you, but when you look at Popeye Jones, you look at Sabonis, right? Sabonis played at, um, you know, played at Indiana last year. Mm. He made the all-star team. You know what I mean? Beforehand, it was like, well, who is this dude? Like, we know who his father was. His father was a great player. He had injuries, and he really didn't, you know, do a lot in the NBA, but he was one of the world's best players, you know, when he was playing in Europe. So you look at Popeye Jones and you see how he was able to develop um, develop Indiana's big. Indiana had two, like, seven-footers, and they played well together. So when you look at a guy like Popeye, you say, okay, this guy knows how to get these guys in these right positions. You know, he, he knows how to develop big. You look at Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell was kind of like, you know, a, a – you know, he he won NBA championships. He played in the league a long time. Now, he's the truth serum guy. Like, he's the guy, like you say, he goes into the locker room. He tells it like it is. But everyone respects him. They love him. He's a great coach. And then you have Dave Yeager, a former head coach, who's a, a defensive-minded coach, right? So that's a good get. And then you also have Dan Burks who's another great coach, right, who's been with Indiana, I think, since, like, the Larry uh, Larry Bird yeah, days, if not before that, mm-hmm. long time. So, to me, it's more or less, you know, these guys, they they all been around for years. they all been vital in developing um, great players. Burke and, and Jaeger are two defensive-minded coaches where the Sixers struggled at the last couple of years. So, more so than just, hey, this is what you have to do, I think that, you know, with their experience alone, you know, basically will make the Sixers better and also guys will listen to them more. And nothing against the Sixers coaches in the past, but you got to understand it's it's different. Like a lot of these guys, for the most part, this was their first head coach, I mean, excuse me, assistant coaching job in the NBA. Whereas all these guys are are veteran play or like either a player or a longtime veteran assistant coach. So I think that's what is more about. Keith, last one for me, because I, I think sometimes it's hard for for fans or, or media alike to understand what the difference is between, say, a couple weeks, two, three weeks or whatever. But we kept hearing, look, if the league doesn't, uh, you know, get things going by December 22nd as opposed to Martin Luther King Day, you know, they can lose upwards of $500 million, whatever the number was. It was a crazy, crazy number. Why was there that much at stake on there, you know, in, in terms of this, you know, getting it done late December versus early January or mid-January? 
Yeah, most of it had to do with, uh, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of it had to do with the TV deal. Um, Like, let's say NBC Sports Philadelphia, for instance. You know, they have a contract with the Sixers, and typically I believe it's 70 games. I'm not 100% sure, but if you play, if you, well, the average is 70. If you play around 70 games, you get your full, like, contract. Mm -hmm. Like, you get your full allotment of money. So I think that you know, if they would have played, waited until January the 18th, it would have been 50 games. Like, they would have missed, or whatever the numbers, they would have missed um, amount of games where they wouldn't have made it to, like, you know, like the threshold, the 72 games or 70 games threshold, to whereas they would have lost money. That had a lot to do with it right then and there. It was like TV rights and, and stuff like that. And they also factored in, like, the league realized that the bubble was great, they were able to play games, but there were less people watching them in August and September. They did not want to do that, nor did they want to compete against the Olympics too, mm. because they felt like all eyes would be on the Olympics and it would have, it would have taken a lot of the viewers, you know, away from them. So they feel like now is if let, let's like get in here, let's play early. We're going to um, get this money. Everybody's going to get to their threshold with their local TV deals, and then we'll also keep the national people happy for the playoffs and the postseason. Keith, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I know it's a quick turnaround for, for a lot of folks, yourself included, but I, I'm excited for the season to start back up, and we're not all that far away. But we appreciate a couple minutes today. Enjoy what's left of your off season, man, and, uh, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Keith. Thanks, man. I can't wait to get back to uh, yeah, Good stuff. Right. Hey, right. Keith Pompey, always fun to talk to, always inform, uh, informative, insightful. Good stuff out of Keith right there. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.